This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everyone. It's uh, Dr. Zubin Nemanja, a.k.a. ZDog MD. All right. So welcome back to Incident Report. Uh... Today's guest is actually somebody I've been meaning to talk, I've been hounding to talk to for like a long time. And it's Dr. Eric Strong. He is a hospitalist, internal medicine doc. We train in the same Stanford residency program. We're off by a few years. I think he was 06, I was 02. And the reason Eric piqued my interest, apart from you know being a fellow Stanford alum and a fellow hospitalist, is that he has one of the more popular free online medical education YouTube sites that I have seen. It's called Strong Medicine. I have it pulled up right here. And for people who are listening audio on the podcast, you can't see this and that makes you a second class citizen. So you can always click through to the link in the podcast description to see the actual video parts that you want to focus on. Otherwise, this is a great commute talk because Eric and I are gonna try to talk about how it is that we can teach using brand new media. How does that affect our careers, especially in academics and in healthcare? Should we be scared of this stuff? And what does it take to prepare a lecture? Because Eric's site, Strong Medicine, is insanely popular, insanely effective teaching tool, and it looks like he actually works on this stuff, unlike me, I just freeball it. Eric Strong, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Zubin. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for sorry, coming. Sorry, sorry I took so long to Dude, make I know. my way here. <laughs> Every time I'd come to the Bay, I'd be like, Eric, we got to get you on the show. He's like, yeah, cool. I'm on a sabbatical. Or, yeah, no, I'm in transition right now. And I'm like, you don't like me, okay? I can tell. We're co-created. Co- you know, it's like um, you get uh, uh, the people who kind of do the same sort of thing generally in the same room, and either they love each other or they hate each other. And I had no idea. And it was just just a schedule thing. Okay, because I was taking it personally. Yeah, well, I'm I was sorry. Like, this man, this man hates me. So, so this is so. How did we first meet at Stanford? You remember the story, and we haven't talked about it because this is the first time we're seeing each other in what 15, 20 years. I forget now. Yeah, not not twenty years. Yeah, yeah. I like to. Twenty years ago was pre was pre California for me. So. Ah, where so where did you go to med school? I went to NYU. Oh, you're NYU, which now has free tuition. Do you feel like you were robbed? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and what? I'm why? still paying that back. You know, I'm going to be paying it back for another 20 years, probably. God, do you still have loans? Seriously? Yeah, yeah. And and because NYU was is a private school. Yeah. And did that affect your choice of career ultimately, or? Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Because you weren't thinking, oh, I'll become a hospitalist because I'll be able to pay a hospitalist at the VA. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'll be able to pay my loans back. That yeah, way. that didn't really uh, cross my mind. <laughs> and so, so you you did your Stanford training. How did we meet? Uh, yeah. So, so um, intern year, there was an ACP conference, local local chapter of the ACP was um, down, being held down at Monterey, and oh uh, Kelly Skeff 
our uh, our program director was like really encouraging um, the interns to submit posters, and so we came up with like some weird clinical vignette poster. It was um, uh, it was not it was not very impressive. But we went down to the meeting, which was cool because like the first meeting as a as a physician, you know, I was just graduating medical school. And the night before the conference, there was this dinner out that Stanford was. Um, all the everyone's Stanford affiliated. All the residents um, were eating at this nice restaurant, um, right on the water, like, like sort of like near the, the wharf in Monterey. And um, there was this, there was going to be a, 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 a talk, quote unquote, by by yourself. <laughs> and uh, you know, when we get there, and the dinner was great, and then afterwards, you uh, you stood up, and I sort of had heard had heard of you, and, and and knew a little bit about you, but I don't think I'd ever like actually seen you speak before. The talk was actually a stand-up routine, and what was funny about it was because it, it felt like the the intention was for us to have like this private room where you know you could just do your routine and it would just be totally free and just like. You know all your all your your your, your standard jokes and about medicine about like all the the gross grimy parts about medicine you know like colonoscopies and things like that, but I didn't have a private room for us. It was like the middle of the restaurant. There's this one really long table that we're all like you know twenty of us at this one long table, and you start giving your stand up routine in the middle of this, this really nice restaurant. And there's like couples like having like their twenty fifth anniversary dinner and stuff, and you're like talking about like bowel preps. <laughs> Um, and it was just it was just hysterical because like you know all of us were like just, just just on the floor laughing and all these you know just regular people just out for like a nice romantic dinner were just like what like what's going on? Here? Oh my god, dude! And that was that was that was when I was introduced to Zuma Demania. You, you know what, Eric? Uh, I don't know if you I don't know if you remember that. I I hadn't thought about that. Huh? Probably since it happened, because it was so traumatic for me. Because this, this, now I'm remembering everything. So, guys, the restaurant was called the Fresh Cream, okay. which I believe, I believe I remember because I opened the stand-up with, "I'm glad to be at a restaurant that sounds like it should arrive in my mailbox in a brown paper wrapper." <laughs> <laughs> like it's some kind of uh, you know magazine, and yeah. and. I, they told me that we'd have a private room, mm-hmm. and Greg Engel set it up. I yeah. think, yeah, Greg Engel, who's a cardiologist, <laughs> guy. Yeah. great guy, set it up, and he's like, "It'll be great. You can do your stand-up routine. New residents, yeah. AC, American College of Physicians, but our own private thing, Stanford yeah. thing. It'll be awesome." So I brought my A game, right? Yeah. I brought Doctor Bobo, uh-huh. who I believe was a, uh, a a PA, a primate assistant. So the joke was that it really only takes a low-level primate, like a bonobo or a chimp, to do 90% of what we do. <laughs> and, and it's mostly Haldol darts, just you know, <laughs> you know, a little aspirin. And uh, I was doing this kind of thing, and you're right, there was a woman having like a 25th anniversary over there. Kelly Skeff, who's our program director, mm. who is the butt of 90% of my jokes, mm. is sitting in the front. Was I told? No. <laughs> so half my thing is I'm doing Kelly Skeff's voice. I'm like, uh, it's wonderful that you guys are the learners who are learning to learn from the learners who are teaching the learners how to teach. And I, I, and I would do that. And there he is staring at me like this. And I'm already in attending, but there's still this like stress. Oh, right? yeah, this absolutely. my program director. Yeah. And so thank you for reminding me of I, I swore after I did that show. I was never, never going to do stand up again. I was like, I'm done. I'm done. And here I am. You know, somebody. Well, I'm, I'm very glad that you forgot that. Yeah. That promise to yourself. I'm glad you brought that back. See, you really are trying to hurt me, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny. So that's how that's how we, you first encountered yeah. me, and and you were in the audience, and that was weird. But so now, fast forward, you finished Stanford. How was residency for you, by the way? 
it was fine. You know, I yeah. mean, residency is is tough. I yeah. mean, it's it's tough no matter where you go. I yeah. don't think Stanford was any better or worse than any place else. Yeah. Here, come up on this mic. Come up on this mic. We yeah, want to yeah, hear sorry. you good. Yeah. Ugh. I know. It's like one of those things where like most people don't do this fancy mic, but yeah. it sounds so much better. <laughs> you can sound like NPR voice. And so so it was just about that's how I felt about residency. Actually. Yeah. It, it was it was manageable. Yeah, it was manageable. It wasn't the most traumatic thing. Medical school was more traumatic for me, actually. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. What what was the most traumatic part about medical school for you? Because um, wow, so many things. I know, um, right? Where to start? <laughs> I think I think probably the first thing was my first clerkship. Um, uh, there, you know, if you finish second year of medical school, you take the boards, and then you start clerkships. Uh, my very first clerkship was on the forensic psychiatry unit at Bellevue. Oh right? my god! So basically, like patients that are, are, I mean, for lack of a better term, like criminally insane, like patients that had done hor- horrific crimes, committed horrific crimes. Um, while being mentally ill and having psychiatric illness that was sort of confounding some of of their um, understanding of what they were doing. Um, And it was, these are are dangerous people, not because they knew what they're doing, just because they had demonstrated in their past that they had done, um, had had the capability of doing really horrible things. And um, what was difficult about it was not just that the stress of that and having to like, you you would go through like these, this lockdown, you know, to go into the ward, you know, there's literally like a, like a police station there in the hospital. You'd go through the bars with the slide across. They'd have to like pat you down and check for weapons and contraband and whatnot. But then there was no resident, no other residents on the service. It was just me as a, as a medical student, uh, no interns, no residents, and and one attending. And the attending was like clearly like not interested in in essentially teaching. Like he was not there to like impart wisdom on me. Not there to show me the ropes. And I, if there was one thing, like I, I think. If it was like my fourth or fifth rotation clerkship, like I think I would have been like, wow, this is really interesting. It's so cool. It's so amazing. But if it's like the very first time in being introduced to real patient care, and that's the patient population that I'm working with, and the person who's supervising me and responsible for, for not just teaching me, but responsible for my safety is like super disengaged. <laughs> it was just, it was, it was a really horrible experience. And it was just unfortunate. That's uh, that's stunning because yeah. it, it, it does. It also brings me back to my own psychiatric experience, Langley Porter at UCSF. Mm. And it was the opposite. It was this very nurturing inpatient. Mm. Now the inpatients were very ill, like profoundly. Like if if you saw an inpatient OCD, right, and that's we would see things like that. Mm. This person was so OCD that it was absolutely destroying not only their life but everyone around them. And and so there was a gentleman I remember. Now he's probably long since deceased, so I don't think I'm even violating HIPAA by even vaguely talking about it. And this was from the 90s. But, you know, he, he would he would have these uh, intrusive sexual thoughts, mm-hmm. and then he would have to tell you about them. Mm-hmm. So he's like, well, I'm really right now thinking about masturbating, looking at you. And I'm like, uh, this got real really fast. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you're a 25 or whatever, right? Yeah, I mean, you're not, you're not, it's not a, a world experience that you've been prepared for in mm. any way. Yeah, but they actually were quite, they were quite good. I have to give them a shout out. There were much less good mentors in mm. my training. OB, uh, others were mm. just really scarred me. But yeah, so I feel you. But so Stanford, I, you know, was much better actually. I think. Yeah, after that, I mean, I mean that, well, everything's, everything's, everything's piece of cake after that, that experience. <laughs> <laughs> so after residency, did mm-hmm. you go right into a job or what, what ended up happening? Yeah, I went right into a job. Um, so my wife and I, something else that made residency, um, yeah, I think easier for me to handle them was that I, co- I couples matched with my wife. Oh yeah, what, what, what does your wife do? Uh, she's a cardiologist, an oh, electrophysiologist. Nice. nice. And AP, yeah, yeah, and um, and she, she was she she applied third year, 
uh, for her cardiology fellowship. She didn't know where she was going to end up in the country. So it was, it was, we couldn't just, uh, you can't apply for an academic job if you can't commit to long term. Like no one wants to hire, like no academic center wants to hire someone who may just be, be jetting in just a year. And so we both ended up uh, attending for a year at a community hospital in East Bay. Mm. Um, uh, and uh, then when, when, she, when she matched at Stanford to do fellowship here, and then I was like, oh, that's awesome. And then let me, after my, our year's up, let me, you know, I was going to reapply or not reapply, but apply for a position over here. And uh, the VA had an opening. And so, and so you, yeah. so you were hot, hospital, hospital medicine at the VA Palo Alto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you work with Christoph Gimler and yeah. these guys. Yeah. Yeah. Gimler was my chief. Yeah. Gimler. Uh, I can't tell these stories cause it's not fair to Christoph. They're funny <laughs> stories. Uh, these are classic, like insane stories from residency, yeah. but mm-hmm. he is a good, good human being, a very, very disciplined guy. Yeah. Um, so at the VA, when did you start realizing that you wanted to make videos on YouTube? Like, how did this happen? Because most doctors shy away from social media. Yeah. It's, um, you know, you know, nowadays, if people create YouTube channels, like medical YouTubers today, I feel like it's it's done much more deliberately mm. than it was back when I started. You know, I, my first video was over eight years ago, and it was very accidental. So, so wait, 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 you did your first video eight years ago? Yeah, eight years. So mine was nine years ago. Okay. So we were basically contemporaries on YouTube. Yeah. That's crazy. So so please continue. Yeah, no, no. So um, at the time, you know, I was, uh, not, not just at the time, but, but still... Um, I give some lectures to uh, the residents in the Stanford Internal Medicine Residency Program, um, the noon, noon conferences, and the ACGME has some uh, requirements that because they can't guarantee every resident can get to every conference because it might be their day off, uh, patient might be ill and they can't get there, any lecture that's given, they have to uh, make the, the PowerPoint slide deck available um, online for the residents to view afterwards. That makes sense, yeah. And, which sort of makes sense. But PowerPoints themselves are dumb. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. But, but then if you think about it, you're like, well, so this busy resident who's already working 80 plus hours a week, super stressed out, burned out, tired, et cetera. Are they really going to go home at 10 p.m. and decide, oh, you know what? I, 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 I had that crashing patient this afternoon. I, I didn't get a chance to see Dr. Strong's lecture on, on hyperglycemic crises. Let me, while I'm, I'm chowing down my one meal of the day, <laughs> let me open up this PowerPoint slide deck and kind of click through it. And, and to see what I missed. Like, no one's going to do that, right? Yeah. And so what occurred, and so thinking about this, when I was asked to provide my, my PowerPoint decks, I'm, I thought, this doesn't make any sense. Like, no one's going to watch, no one's going to look at this PowerPoint. So I mean, like, let me just make the experience incrementally better by like, just let me at least uh, record a narration, stitch narration together with a PowerPoint and, and make it a video. And then Stanford can put this up on their site as a video. And that way it might make it that much more likely that someone, you know, instead of like being 0% chance, someone's going to look at it, maybe like 1% chance. Look at it. <laughs> That's and a so, big incremental change. A big in incremental change. Yeah. And so then I asked the, 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 the internal medicine program, I said, this is what I wanted to do. Um, and they said, well, that's great, but we, we don't have any place to put it. And so what do you mean? Like, oh, well, just like our, our, our website, um, our, our, our menus and directories, they don't have a place that can really accommodate a, a file of the size and video format. We, we just, we can't, like, it sounds great, but we just can't, we can't do anything with it. This sounds like 2011 or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I said, well, I mean, I was like, what, what, what the heck? I mean, everyone's got a YouTube channel. Everyone's got a, everyone knows what YouTube is. Even, even back, back then, people knew what YouTube was. Let me just, just put up on YouTube, right? And so I just made this thing. It was called, it was called like Eric's Noon Conferences, or Eric's Medical Lectures. And I started putting up my noon conferences up on YouTube. And then just, you know, advertised to the residents in the program. I said, hey, if you missed the conference, you can, you can watch this video, which is incrementally closer to the experience. Still very far removed from what the experience would have been in real life, but incrementally closer. 
Um, and so I got some, you know, like one person watched like the first one, I think. Um, and uh, Did it literally have one view? Yeah, it literally had one view. It <laughs> one, one view. And for the first month um, of my, my YouTube channel, I think I had like two subscribers that were both Stanford residents, which was like great, like shout out to those guys yeah. um, whose names, unfortunately, I've, I've long since forgotten. But, um, but once it's on YouTube, like it's, it's out there in the world, like it's, it's public. And so anyone can find it. And so if you're, you know, some random resident somewhere else, or if you're a patient, or if you are a high school student who's just really motivated to learn more about medicine, or if you're a student somewhere in the world that doesn't have as robust medical training as we have in, in the US, you can just go to YouTube, you type in like hyperglycemic crises, and suddenly like my video is popping up and people were started watching it. And then sort of the way the YouTube algorithm works is, you know, the more views it gets, the, the higher the, the video comes in the, the search algorithm. And so sort of like views beget more views. Yeah, Pareto distribution, you're the early adopter. And yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. So the first month was super slow. And then like two or three months in, like views started picking up. And I started noticing that people from outside Stanford were watching these. And I started getting like requests saying, hey, that video was, was awesome. Can you do a video on this topic or that topic instead? And I was like, okay, I, I guess so. You know, and I started, you know, taking more requests, putting more videos out. And, you know, the first year still started out pretty slow and then started hitting my stride with more and more views and more subscribers. And then it took off from there. Dude. So it was very, it was very non, it was like very non-deliberate. Non-intentional. It was non-intentional. It was just, I, I did not expect to be here eight years later. I expected to put up like five or six videos and that would be it. Dude, this is a crazy story because you saw a need. You said, I can make it a little better. You use YouTube, which is a new technology mm -hmm. and said, oh, you know what? These lectures, if they can't come, I can do it. And you were ahead of the Pareto distribution, so you, you were one of the early adopters, so the views beget views. The next thing you know, you're getting better and better and better at doing it too, mm -hmm. right? Because you probably honed what's happening. Because now you have 277,000 subscribers, mm -hmm. and that bumped up by like 17,000 subscribers or something in just like six months. Like people, mm -hmm. it's, it's a huge outpouring of subscriptions because people find value in what you're doing. I mean, did you even, ha, this was not your intent. Mm -hmm. How, I mean, how, why do you think this happened? Well, I, <laughs> um, it was sort of it was sort of co coincident with uh, the rise in the flipped classroom, the flipped, the, uh, flipped classroom, classroom. right? Yeah. So it's, yeah, exactly. And, and the rise of people starting to, I mean, this is not something that was it wasn't news in 2011, but it was sort of maybe news to like the higher ups that like uh, having these old school lectures where there's like a hundred kids or students not kids necessarily, 100 students in a large lecture hall and they get the stage on the stage going through like PowerPoint after PowerPoint for an hour at a time. Like that was not very effective Yeah. Um, at actually imparting information that was gonna stick more than five seconds. And it was sort of around the same time that, that medical students, uh, medical schools sort of wised up to this as being like not the best strategy. And so they started to incorporate um, more videos sort of in their curriculum and started encouraging students to look at videos and and, this is also the sort of the, the generation that grew up with the internet. Right. Um, and not just the internet 1.0, but sort of grew up with, you know, a lot of these students had like, for example, Khan Academy, they right. might have used in high school or college. Right. And then they get to, to medical school and they see things like, like my channel, there's, and there's other channels as well, that's sort of like an ex, a natural extension of that experience that they had had with uh, the platform in, and learning on that platform in their previous life as an undergrad student or a high school student. That, that makes perfect sense. Uh, because, you know, it's funny because what you and I do are so, uh, they're very different, but they share certain commonalities. Mm -hmm. Like I imagine with your, um, 
with your audience, a lot of them are watching at like 1.25x speed. Yeah, 1.25x is slow for my audience. For, for your audience. Yeah, so most of them watch at 1.5. 1.5. guess, yeah. And, and that's how I consume YouTube content as well mm -hmm. because I've noticed there are people that consume at different speeds, right? So so I, I like to uh, consume at T1 Ethernet speed and, and I demand my medical students present <laughs> uh -huh. as fast as and as succinctly as they can mm -hmm. because that's my style of reception, mm -hmm. right? Everybody's different and the wonderful thing about YouTube is they can choose the speed of reception. Mm -hmm. When I would sit in the Sage on a stage platform in medical school, mm -hmm. it was too slow. I had too much ADD. Mm -hmm. I couldn't rewind and do all of that. And so I walked out. So I never went to class mm -hmm. after the first few. And that that put a lot of pressure on me to study at, at you know at home and on the last minute and it just it created a lot of suffering for me. Mm -hmm. Also a lot of disengagement from my colleagues, my classmates, mm -hmm. yeah, who I began to resent because I was like, I don't understand you people. Like, why are you, how can you sit mm -hmm. and listen to this person drone on and on and on? And so to me, what you're doing on YouTube resonated a lot because like, if I had this, when I was a medical student, I might've actually, you know, I probably wouldn't be doing what I do now because I would probably have been some academic, well, tra better trained physician <laughs> gone into some esoteric <laughs> subfield. And so, you know, looking at your stuff, did you ever, okay, because this is a, a thing that people worry about. And you said something early on. You said, uh, nowadays, it's much, it seems like it's much more deliberate. Mm. There are a lot of medical students who are trying to get famous. Yeah. There are a lot of kind of residents mm. who are actually legitimately famous mm. who have made an attempt on YouTube to do the YouTube thing, which mm. is the thumbnail that looks like this. <gasps> 20 reasons why gout can hurt your toe yeah and they're just like, uh, and it, it's gamified it's clickbaited um i try to watch some of those and i'm just perplexed yeah <laughs> uh but they're insanely popular yeah but what you're doing is actually a very conservative form of teaching mm. you have images you have you lecturing it's clear you've prepared do you do you spend a lot of time preparing each of these and how do you prepare uh, yeah, so I definitely spend a lot of time preparing. Um, I, I probably put, if I were to make a, like a 15 minute video, that would be at least 15 hours of work. What? Um, yeah, 15 hours for 15 minutes um, would so, be typical. So, so, okay, <clears throat> so explain to me how, what you do to, to make that 15 hours, because I think there was a question on Twitter. How, many, how much time yeah. do you spend preparing? How do you prepare? What do you do? Do you do it all yourself? It, just walk us through your process. Yeah, sure. So, um, well, the first step is to, is to pick a topic. Yeah. Um, and at this point, most of the topics come from uh, most of them come from from uh, uh, subscriber requests. You know, someone will, will will just put a comment after after you know, at the end of one video saying that video was great. You know, I would love it if you could talk about this topic also. Um, so they have a real voice. You're, you're oh yeah, followers. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, um, uh, some of them have, have like curricular needs at Stanford. Like if Stanford has like a, a gap where there's like there's 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 some topic is really not being covered in as much depth as it probably should. And I might be like, oh, I, I recognize that mm. that gap. Let me make a video to fill that in. Um, and uh, so I pick a topic, then I have to research the topic. And you know, most of the, most of the things I talk about, and, and I, I try to make a very, um, uh, I try to be very deliberate about this part, is that I don't talk about things I know nothing about. Okay. So, so you don't try to go learn something that you've never. No, no, not yeah. not not to know about. Like, so right. for example, I get people saying, "Oh, hey, can you talk about uh, preeclampsia?" Yeah. And I say, "Not my no, thing. I can't. Like, I'm not I'm not an obstetrician. I can't talk about preeclampsia. You don't want me talking about preeclampsia. I just I don't know enough about it to 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 impart my knowledge because 
what I'm trying to do is I'm not I'm not teaching laypersons. If I was, if I if my target audience was laypersons, like like Dr. Mike say, like Dr. Mike, right? Then like okay, like I I I feel like I could between what I know from medical school, right, and what I can what read you can about get on right up now, to date, yeah, and what I get from up to date, <laughs> yeah. like I can put together a five minute video on preeclampsia that I feel happy with, yeah. If the target audience is is laypersons, right, or pregnant women, right. Um, but if my target audience is like internal medicine residents, or if my target audience was like obs- obs- obstetrics interns, like there's no way that I could be talking about an obstetrics topic from my own experience. Like just, it, it, it would not be appropriate. It's funny, it's funny that you say that because I've, ta- I've talked about a lot of different things mm-hmm. and I, I try to research as much as I can, but I'm not experts in really anything mm-hmm. except for the hospital medicine stuff. Mm-hmm. And even that, it's like sketchy, right? Because I'm Z-Dog, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Uh, the, 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 but, but my audience is like healthcare professionals mostly, but mm-hmm. a lot of like kind of activist engaged patients mm-hmm. and other people. And so it's a broad, and the difference between teaching say a certified nurse assistant and a attending electrophysiologist mm-hmm. about atrial fibrillation yeah. is an order of mag, two orders of magnitude, yeah. right? And it's understandable because that's not their space, but it is their space. Mm-hmm. And so I have to try to find a, a sweet spot. You are, Assuming from the beginning that you're teaching doctors, basically medical students. Yeah. So, so the, my my target. I think about my target audience as healthcare professionals in training. Got it. So that could be medical students, that could be nursing students, that Got could be it. PA students, that could be interns, that could be um, uh, an RN that's now going back to school to, to get a degree and uh, to be an NP. Um, that's sort of my target audience. All of them. Are there yeah. laypersons that watch my? my I'm sh- yes, I know there are laypersons that watch my channel. Are there attending physicians that watch my channel? Yeah, I, I know there are, they are. Yeah. But my target audience is really the healthcare professionals in training, from first year of of of, of professional school up into the, the last year of residency or the residency equivalent for people in fields other than than physicians. And so when you're preparing, and that, that's, see, that's fascinating to me because I, that's not an, a, an area that I focus on. So mm-hmm. the fact that you do it so well, and when I look at your videos, like how to create a differential diagnosis, what is a normal heart rate? Like mm-hmm. how to interpret a chest X-ray, and that has 685,000 views mm-hmm. because everybody who's in training needs to needs know to that. Yeah. And uh, intro to EKG interpretation, a systematic approach, holy crap. I would have loved to have that when I was a medical student. And here it is for my level of training. So in other words, like if I'm a medical student, if I'm a resident, it, it's pretty much the same. You really need to know mm-hmm. that level of teaching. And that's what is so special about what you're doing that made me go, oh, wow, because you're a schmo like me from Stanford that like, you know what I mean? Like we're both hospitalists. Uh-huh. How is it? That, that we can tell other people in this community that they can be empowered to do something well beyond the confines of the walls of a hospital. And I think you're showing people how to do this. Like, you, you, you know, I, I don't imagine that you were formally trained in teaching, right? No, no, no formal education background, no. And were, were you formally trained in video? No, <laughs> most certainly not. And so in this 15 hours of prep, what is that? How do you go about it? How, what's your process? Then once you pick the topic, you Yeah, said, pick a topic, yeah. then I gotta research it. Um, research for most topics usually starts with up to date. Um, it doesn't end with up to date, but that's sort of like my go-to if I wanna, if like right now, for example, I'm doing um, one on shock, or sorry, not shock, sepsis is the one I'm working on right now. Nice. And um, I did a music video on that. That's the <laughs> difference between us. It was beginning to look a lot like sepsis. Well, I, I'm guessing yours was more fun to make. than. Uh, it was a lot of fun, but probably as much work. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah. Don't, I don't doubt that. Yeah. But please, so, so, so you're working on sepsis. Yeah, so I work on sepsis. So I start with up-to-date. Um, from up-to-date, um, then I, I branch off and I'm like, oh, well, uh, um, I got more interested in this topic or that aspect of it or this thing that I see in real life isn't covered in up-to-date. 
Um, this thing I hear on Twitter, like people on Twitter talking about vitamin C and, and sepsis, like oh, that's, yeah. that's not discussed in the up-to-date article. Let me like pull up some, some papers about that. We had Merrick on the show. <laughs> well, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, He's quite a one. character. He's a real maverick. Yeah. 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 Um, so then, you know, try to, to, to broaden, you know, how much I understand the topic, trying to incorporate then into, and then I write a script incorporating my own experience you write a script yeah i write a script so you actually have prepped out the what you're going to say god that's awesome yeah well the problem the problem with with um not writing a script because some people um, who do medical youtube videos don't write a write a script and what happens is like they leave things out yeah Um, it happens to me all the time they they misspeak and if you misspeak like um in a casual conversation like if if i were to say something stupid right now like it's not the end of the world like maybe like i'll look like an idiot but like a, a human being's care is not going to be compromised because I, I said something <clears> off. Um, I'm feeling very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, no, no, but, but, but if, I'm, if I'm talking about like, like what's the appropriate antibiotic coverage for a certain disease and I, I give the wrong antibiotic because I have yeah, like a yeah, brain fart, yeah, like yeah. that could be a problem. Absolutely. So I have to, I have to write a script out. Then I have to proofread the script. I have to, if it's a topic that I don't feel hundred percent certain on, I get someone else's eyeballs on it just to make sure. Um, it's yeah. almost malpractice if you're teaching the wrong thing, right? If you make that mistake. Because, yeah, I'm not, yeah. I, I don't know if I'd call it malpractice. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. Let me pump the brakes on that. Malpractice <laughs> is a trigger word for us doctors, yeah. meaning it's a kind of educational malpractice mm-hmm. because you're misleading or you're misinforming people yeah. that trust you. Yeah. And I, I think you take that very seriously with the amount of prep you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I, I certainly do. I mean, yeah. do, I, do I make mistakes from time to time? I, I do. Um, I, I feel awful when that happens. But and, you correct them. Yeah, so um, depending on the, on, the, on the magnitude of the mistake, I'll either will um, put like uh, corrections in the description of the video, like, hey, I'm, I'm, I, at 15 minutes and 32 seconds, I said hypokalemia instead of hyperkalemia. Yeah. It's usually evident from the context that I made that mistake to anyone who was actually paying attention. Um, if, if, if a mistake is really bad, then I like take down the video. Like if someone points out, like, I totally misunderstood this with a certain study, you know, I look at the study, I'm like, oh, shoot, like, you're totally right. Yeah. Take down the video, yeah. fix the problem, re-upload it, which, of course, stinks with, like, the analytics and sticks with, like, the algorithm and whatnot. But, but you know, I mean, it's, you more about, it. it's more about doing the right thing. Yeah. And, and, and oh, man, I, don't let me forget to ask you about algorithm metrics and how it's destroying our brains as creators, <laughs> right? So yeah. This has been a couple shows I did recently about how I'm so burned out looking at this stuff. I... I you, we are slaves to these algorithms yeah. and metrics. If we don't put out content regularly, if we yeah. don't game it in certain ways, if we don't share it in certain ways, if we don't promote it in certain ways, we don't we, have the, we don't have the thumbnail. That's exactly you know, the, huh? the, the right clickbaity title. You know. Now, see, it's interesting. So, Doctor Mike, he's a good example of like probably the preeminent YouTube doctor right now. Mm-hmm. He has all that. Mm-hmm. So he has the looks, he has the thumbnails, he has the team to help the editing, mm-hmm. he has the content that's aimed at muggles, non-medical people, mm-hmm. um, and he is crushing the game, mm-hmm. like absolutely doing amazing. And you know what? I met him, I interviewed him. He's a good, sincere, mm-hmm. wonderful person. And so I'm so happy that he's doing mm-hmm. that. It's a different space, and what he's doing is he's using those tools to reach young non-medical people and educate them about health topics mm-hmm. in a way that Dr. Oz has dropped the ball on, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, so that that's wonderful, but what you're doing, so with all this prep, with writing out the script, with making sure it's academically appropriate and correct, well, then what's the next step? You've written out your script. Um, well, then I'll, I'll, I'll make uh, images or figures, diagrams um, to sort of go along with the script. Do, do you pull them off the internet or how do you? Um, I would say 90, is a made up number, 98% I do myself. You create mm-hmm. the diagram. Most of them. 
And if I mean, if they're not, they're cited. If you see something on my channel that's not cited, it's because I, I, it's original. So I'm looking at these diagrams here, and they are extraordinarily complex PowerPoint style diagrams. Mm. You make those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's incredible. That's actually a real skill. So that so that's something you're bringing to the table that say I don't have at all, or and a lot of people on YouTube don't have, or they outsource it or something. You're doing mm. that all yourself. That's a huge amount of work. Now I'm starting to see where these 15 hours. Yeah, that, that's definitely a, a large part. Like that's probably a, a 15 hours. That's four or five hours of me making like half a dozen diagrams. Oh my gosh, that's insane. Yeah, I'm well, I'm really in in <laughs> awe of you. So 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 you so you make these diagrams mm -hmm. and then and then what's next? Uh, well then I got I got to record it. So um, how do you go about that? Yeah, so recording process. So anyone that goes to my channel will see that I have sort of three base three different setups. One setup is with without with no live action, so it's not me. You don't you don't see my face at all. It's just it looks like a sort of like a narrated PowerPoint with some you know a couple of like, simple animations thrown in, and that's really simple. I just done on the computer with a, a mic similar to this one, like a USB mic plugged in the computer, and and that's um, that's pretty low key to to create. Those yeah. are, those are much faster. Um, another sort of the next level setup is where I, I'm in my office and with the, the books in the background and. For that, I basically just you know bring in um, uh, one softbox light, which is usually, to be honest, too bright. Um, and I don't realize until it's after it already it's recorded. And um, I have a, a mic on a stand, and you know I record it. Usually, it takes like two or three takes to feel good about it. Um, Are you using and, a green screen or uh, no? For the for the for the ones. Um, and with the, with the background of the books in yeah. my office, like there's no green screen. That's a real thing. But that's, I'm looking at some where it's like you're against a white background. Yeah, so that's that's the one that's the most time intensive ah. because that's in front of it's not it's, it 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 looks like a green screen. It's actually a white screen, um, but it's um, that takes a lot of prep because I don't have a space to record this. And we have you know we we still live in the we're in the Bay Area, so the two, two physician family. We still live in like this tiny 1,300 square foot apartment, um, and uh, we don't have any place to record it. Uh, and so what I have to do is in order to to record those videos, I literally have to, to take every piece of furniture in our living, combined living room, dining room, family room area and pile it all up in the corner. It's like all literally stacked on top of each other in a corner to make enough space to set up like the sets of, of lights and the overhead mic and get the giant screen up um, to record it. And that takes it's like, an hour, it's like a two hour setup for that and then record it. And then it takes so long to, to set everything up that I either you know spend the entire day recording like one you know ten minute video, or I just leave everything up, and then just like record a bunch of videos back to back on either you know record four or five videos in one day if I'm if I'm really on the you know on the ball, or sometimes I'll have to keep it up for two or three days, and you know my, my wife will you know will come home and open the door and be like you got to be kidding me, <laughs> <laughs> like where where are we supposed to eat dinner? Yeah, I'm like oh the floor works fine. I've had you know? that conversation with my wife. We have, we have a bed upstairs. We can just have the kids just hop on the bed and eat. That dude, that story, the, the, the nature of your diligence is really astounding, man. Because it, it is, it's like that. Because I know I did the yeah, same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's, it's very similar the same to thing. It, you're you sitting, You're in my garage right now yeah. of the house where I started ZDog MD yeah. back in 2010. Yeah. Before we you know remodeled it and stuff, it, right above us is a little you know, tiny little bedroom mm -hmm. that I had converted. I'd put a green screen up. I had my computer for editing. I had my little handy cam on a crappy <laughs> little tripod, yeah. no microphones and just like, okay guys, I'm ZDog MD, yo, 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 yo. And, and it started like that. Yeah. And the thing is, it probably could have continued like that if it was the right material. Mm -hmm. And over time it just kind of evolved because my audience uh, and, and moving to Vegas and stuff, the expectations started to change and I wanted to grow that 
more produ- produced feel because mm-hmm. of the music piece of it. You can't you can't record videos in your in your bedroom upstairs. I'm sure it's, like the, the music videos. It's the, uh, the... I've done it. So I did a video called Hard Docs Life uh-huh. that was a Jay Z parody. I uh-huh. recorded it in my closet with GarageBand. <laughs> I I I put up a green screen. The whole so people are like, oh, we we recognize scenes from Stanford in that video. You must have gone and shot at Stanford. I'm like, you think Stanford would ever let me shoot? Are you kidding me? They're the most risk averse people on the planet. So th- what I did was I snuck in when, when I was rounding. Mm-hmm. I had my uh, little handy cam in my in my doctor's. Uh, coat pocket uh-huh. and I'd pull it out and I would just shoot the escalator uh-huh. or I'd just shoot a backdrop with no patience in it and then I'd green screen myself mm-hmm. from my bedroom into that going it's the hard docs life for us and I'd do a few t- tricks in Final Cut mm-hmm. and make it look like a real music video yeah. but it was pretty ghetto and um, anyone from Stanford ever like see that and reach out and be like dude when did you record that that was not okay this is the beautiful thing dude like, like no, 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 in no one those noticed. days no one on Stanford <laughs> no one at Stanford was on YouTube yeah, yeah. watching stuff now it would have triggered all kinds of legal yeah. you know summons but in, in those days nothing like that and just like when you were starting in 2011 like YouTube was a wild west yeah like I remember feeling like man I could almost put anything out on YouTube and it's gonna get a few thousand views just by showing up because nobody in medicine is doing this yeah and now it's it's a really it's good because it's a crowded space. Only the best content's going to come to the top, mm-hmm. and your your content is really amazing. And and so so then, how do you actually are you reading from a teleprompter? How do you get your script out? Yeah, so I have this uh, super basic teleprompter set up. Set up. It's like a, um, a, a, on my iPad. There's like a teleprompting. Yeah. You probably have seen something similar. I've uh, seen te- that. Yeah. Uh, it's like a teleprompting uh, app. And uh, it's, it's, uh, you put the, the iPad on this little stand and it, it's hard to describe, but. Um, oh yeah, no, I know like, what you're talking about, yeah. Um, I've never used it, I've seen it, and Thomas tried, my producer tried mm-hmm. to get me to use it. Cause he's like, man, when you do your rants about whatever, if you just stop forgetting stuff, cause I, we never edit them, we yeah. just go in one take, uh, you wouldn't have to do 30 of them. <laughs> and then we always end up taking the first one anyways, yeah. even though it's incomplete. Well, so the problem with the teleprompter is you can't go off script. Yeah. Like, because as soon as you go off script, the teleprompter, you know, some, some are, 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 are times. Auto so like, advanced, yeah. Uh, um, auto advanced and some um, are voice rec- recognition. Oh. But as soon as you go off script, like either one of those gets, it, you, you, you have to give up. Like you can't oh. do it because then you have to go back and, and reshoot it. And so you have to stay super strict to the script. Oh. And so the problem with that is um, if, if, if you want to, if you're thinking of something, if, if in the moment you are recording, you're like, oh, I totally forgot that point. I wanted to add it in, or this sounds too can. Let me, or let me like add this little aspect of like my own clinical practice. You, the game's over. You can't do it. So you have to stop everything. You know, go to, you know, pull up the iPad. You know, edit the the script in. Um, and then the other the other challenge to doing it off the teleprompter mm-hmm. is to to try to make it sound um, like like casual, make it sound not red. Which yeah. you know, and I'm like my first the first you know handful of attempts at this were like a disaster. Yeah, like I was just like. And so if you want to estimate the central venous pressure, like it sounded like a robot and it took a while to get used to using it. The child teleprompter. The teleprompter. And I'm sure, I'm sure like there's still like times when I'm I'm sure I still sound like a robot um, on it, but uh, hopefully I'm I'm incrementally getting better. Your your videos, I I went through the sequence and they're better and better and better. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and, but what's interesting to me though, this is interesting because it makes sense that you're using the teleprompter and I know why you're using it and why you have to use it. Mm -hmm. It's important, right? Because it's teaching. But um, I can tell right away that you're not, uh, this is not an impro- improvised uh, discussion mm. because 
I contrast it to how I do things. And there's a big part of me that's like, I wish I could do what you're doing because it would allow me to be much more complete and careful. But then there's a bigger part of me that's like, my audience doesn't want that from me. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of value, I think, in being more spontaneous and feeling like it's more more real yeah, yeah, um, and, rather and, than and something that's canned, a, canned and, and, and prepared. Like there's there's advantages, disadvantages, and you really have to, as you said, you have to go with what your audience is, is wanting. But this, 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 and this is another reason I want to have you here because I think it's fascinating to get the contrast between us because here we are talking, you're like um, absolutely spontaneous and natural and open and not uh, guarded in any way. And But if I would just watch your videos, huh. I'd be like, oh, this guy's gonna, it's gonna be intense. Like yeah. I'm gonna have to try to pull him out of his shell, right? And, and that's great because when you're actually teaching this material, like, yeah, we want it to be fun and stuff, but at the same time, if it's not accurate and you're teaching yeah. people who are touching lives, right? Yeah. yeah that's, that's, it's just dangerous. Yeah. And it's something I think about quite a bit. And the problem is I have also a team that pulls me in the other direction. Huh. So Tom and Logan on my team are like, fuck it, dude, just go off script. Just tell them how you feel, Z. I'm yeah. like, medicine is not about necessarily how I feel. Yeah. I can say how I feel, but we still have to do the right thing. Yeah. And one thing looking at your videos that always reminds me, I'm looking at this shit going, surface tension and surfactant, fluid, me fluid mechanics, lesson 12. <laughs> um, you know, uh, uh, let me see here. Uh, the ABG interpretation, interpreting pulmonary function tests, mechanical ventilation. It reminds me, and sometimes this bears reminding, that medicine is so complex. Mm. Is that what motivates you to do this? Like why, because here's the other question, like why do you do this, dude? <laughs> it sounds painful. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's time consuming. It's not, I wouldn't say it's painful. Like there, there are certainly painful parts to it. Um, like, like having to rearrange your entire home to, to record five minutes <laughs> of video bay, yeah. is, is painful. But, um, but the process, the, the, overall, I, I really enjoy it. Um, I, I think it's uh, a couple of things. One is, is knowing that I'm helping people um, learn the material in a way that wasn't available to us when we were students. Do you get feedback to that extent? Oh yeah, yeah. I bet I, you do. Yeah, yeah. I get uh, emails. I'm just like I'm sure you get emails and messages and and you know. from anti-vaxxers wanting to kill me. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I haven't had that 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 pleasure yet. <laughs> do a um, thing on vaccines. Yeah, no, I've, I've, yeah. I've specifically stayed away from that topic. I imagine. For, for that yeah, reason. that's a good idea. Um, but uh, but no, I, I get these messages, and they, I mean, it's it's like an ego boost. I mean, to be honest, like, yeah. and I'm sure you you, you get that as well. Um, there's also this this uh, sense of, you know, as, a, as an ac academic physician, you know, you are expected to do something beyond just clinical care. Like clinical care is, is great, but even as a cl clinician educator, a CE, you know, which which I am, um, <clears throat> you're still expected to contribute to the general um, broader medical community beyond your specific patients and even beyond the people that you're teaching in real life. And most people sort of s fulfill that uh, obligation by by publishing. Yeah, you know they you know they put out papers, either um, uh, clinical research or review papers or some type of other um, peer reviewed scholarship. Um, some people fulfill that role by um, serving on a, uh, a national committee for a professional society or for a committee that's putting out new guidelines on a certain topic. And I see my role and the way I fulfill this obligation to contribute something to the broader medical community as just putting out these YouTube videos. Like that's my contribution. Oh, um, there's so much here. Yeah. Man, I, wa <laughs> I wanna go through everything you said and unpack little pieces of it because this is such an important part of this conversation in my mind. And that is starting with, starting with the ego boost. Yeah. 
getting these messages. Like this morning I read a message that literally made me cry, like I was crying, because this person was pouring out why what we do is important to them mm-hmm. in a way that was so moving because it 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 somehow put a finger on why I did it and I didn't even know why. Mm-hmm. Cause I've been suffering through this, you know, creator burnout, which we'll talk about. But mm-hmm. and so you feel this me, you know, this like depersonalization and lack of accomplishment. And it has to do with ego. Mm-hmm. It has to do ultimately, I think, with this feeling that I'm not good enough to do this or I'm not making a difference or people are better than me, which is a horrible feeling, mm-hmm. right? Especially when we're so achievement oriented and, you know. And so getting that feeling of accomplishment from making these videos, putting them online and having an impact in the world mm-hmm. is is something I think we should own. We should say, yes, that is a part of it. Like it, it does feel good to be appreciated mm-hmm. for something that you do well. Yeah. And what you're doing is amazing. I'm appreciating you now. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I have appreciated your musical videos and your other videos for many, many years. Why, thank you. And so it, feel, it feels good. At the same time, there's something even beyond that, which is what you said, the feeling of, oh my gosh, people are being helped by this. They're sending emails. They're saying, oh, this helped me understand this concept or I, I, I did better on my test or I got into nursing school or medical school mm-hmm. or whatever because I watched your videos and I did better on the MCAT or mm-hmm. wh- whatever it is, right? Th- those are wonderful reinforcements. But then there's the practical aspects. And this is what I want other doctors and healthcare professionals, everybody to know that there's an academic advantage to this. Mm-hmm. So Scott Weingart, uh, who, I don't know if you know him. No, I don't. So he's somebody I'd, I'm gonna introduce you to. So he is a wonderful human being. He's an emergency physician and a critical care physician. So M. Crit is mm-hmm. the name of his podcast. Oh, yeah, no, I know M. Crit. Yeah, you yeah. know M. Crit, yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, the, the, so the man behind the mask is okay. uh, Scott Weingart. <laughs> he and I became friends early on in 2010 when huh. I started making music videos because it was such a small little community that we all reached out to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, Rob Orman and all these guys. Uh, Rob Orman does ERCast. Wonderful human beings, mm. teachers, inspired by inspiring other people to learn. And Weingart made it an academic issue where having an international reputation, as he does online, mm. helped his career advancement in academics. Yeah. And it should, because you were actually affecting people in, in some ways way more than an article in a one-off journal. I mean, I'm not gonna lessen that stuff, but mm. like way more than going and presenting at some conference at a poster, you, you're actually really transforming education, affecting lots of people, and you should be rewarded in academics for that. Now, have you found that to be the case? Uh, we're, we're, I'm gonna have to get back to you on that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm currently being considered for- Advancement. Advancement, yeah. and there's a discussion about whether or not this should count. So I'm gonna have to get back to you. I'm supposed to supposed to hear any any day. To be honest, can, can I say something? And this has nothing. To, this is no reflection on you. Yeah, yeah, sure. If they don't consider the body of work that you've done mm-hmm. on YouTube, the impact that you've had, the number of people you've reached, the diligence and the quality of the education, they should go and stick it in their ass. Because, <laughs> and, and again, you're not saying this. I'm saying this. It is the single most important thing I think is to affect other people's learning as mm. an academic, to advance this. And you've done that in spades. And, and, I, and, and again, this is me talking, that you, this doesn't reflect on you at all, because I don't wanna get you in trouble. I'm just I have saying, nothing to do with this yeah, whatsoever. Exactly. This is not me, this, this is all Zubin. Listen, I, 
I know that Stanford are good people. I know because I've worked with them, mm-hmm. and they will. Uh, they they are ahead of the curve. They're in the Silicon Valley, but I know a lot of entities that don't recognize this. Mm-hmm. And I'm really talking to them. I'm saying, if somebody like Eric Strong, who's a great doctor, does this amazing, diligent work and reaches all these people, that should be a that should be recognized as an academic accomplishment, particularly in a clinician educator line. I mean, you're not an MCL line or something where you're supposed to publish or perish. This is a, this is, and even if you were, this should be part of it. This should be part of it. So I, I would like to advocate more, I think increasingly with the show for transformative change. And transformative change is, it is encouraging our academics, our, our thought leaders and our teachers to teach using new and engaging mechanisms. And if that means that some kid it's funny how both of you and i called them kids like well the kids are watching this yeah i, I didn't mean to say that. no 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 but it's true <laughs> don't mean to like, offend anybody to me, a 35 year old learner is a kid yeah you know and so uh if if, if we're you know we want to encourage these kids to use this technology at their own pace so if that means 1.5x watching eric strong videos and that works for them then it should work mm. for them i mean do you do you, what's your gut on that do you think that that change is coming I think so. I mean, yeah. I, I, is it going to impact me in this decision that's coming any day? I, I don't know that. <laughs> um, hopefully it will, but I don't know. Well, we're, um, gonna, we're giving you an international reputation right yeah. now. All right. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to um, addend my uh, application with uh, a link to this, this interview. Uh, yeah. And then, then, then you'll be fired out, right? <laughs> yeah. It won't even be an advancement issue anymore. <laughs> I love it. Um, but the change is definitely coming. Um, and whether or not it's, 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 now, whether or not it's a year from now, five years from now, I mean, I think people are increasingly recognizing the, the value in this space, whether or not it's YouTube, whether or not it's, it's Twitter, whether or not it's um, some other, some other uh, online space, you know, blogs, podcasts, et cetera. Um, like, for example, uh, I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with uh, uh, Tony Brew. He's a hospitalist at the VA Boston. Um, I don't he, know Tony. Uh, he, he is the master of something called the Tweetorial. Um, which is essentially a, it's a short form um, intended to teach a very, very specific topic um, in a span of anywhere from five to 15 link tweets. And, and he's been doing this for a few years and, and he's not the only one. There's lots of people that put out these tutorials, but he's sort of like the, the king of them right now. And he actually had a, um, an article in the New, New England Journal like three weeks ago talking about tutorials and why tutorials are this really great way to get to, to uh, uh, educate um, physicians, educate learners, why it's a really great way to get people motivated and interested, not just to, to educate them, but get them interested mm. in self-directed learning again, because the format is, is it's much more engaging, it's much more real-time, it's much more um, uh, uh, collaborative, where you can t- talk back and forth with people and, and have a debate and discussion mm. um, right in real-time online. And I mean, this is, this is a, a major highlight article in the New England Journal, mm. Um, and you know, I like to, I like to think that I mean I don't I don't I've never met you know Dr. Brew um, myself. I like to think that his his standing in academics is influenced and 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 is is helped by everything he's done all his all his work on Twitter because um, he's really he's super well known in that space. Do I know for I mean I have no idea. It's very possible that his his institution doesn't value it which would be shocking and really unfortunate. But I think that just the fact that, again, he was able to get this article out, just the increased recognition, I think people are starting to, to wise up to the fact that this is like social media should play a role in, in physicians 
um, uh, professional lives, and it should play a role in how we're valued by our institutions. You know, I, I, I'm with you a thousand percent. Weingart is a real expert on this mm-hmm. and has spoken about this, and I think it's. And I will, I will say, because emergency medicine, yeah, um, is, is they're definitely way they're us. way ahead of everyone. Way else ahead of us. us. Yeah, you know, and they've been ahead of us for, for years with us. You know what's funny? So as a hospitalist, it's our tendency to want to hate on those guys, right? Because um, <laughs> spandex, North Face jackets, uh, and admissions. Uh-huh. But they are absolutely brothers from other mothers who are way ahead of us in yep. terms of that stuff. And so when I started in 2010, it was the emergency physicians that were blogging and doing podcasts and things like that that embraced what I was doing, mm-hmm. that brought me into their tribe, that schooled me on a lot of things, mm-hmm. that helped me. And in a way that I'm still immensely grateful I'm still good friends with them because they they gave me that shot to do this right and I think that's so important having colleagues mm-hmm. in this space and you know it's another secret reason I wanted you here uh, <laughs> there aren't many people that I can talk to personally mm-hmm. about what the stuff we do yeah like when you came into the garage we only spent five minutes kind of warming up before we switched to launch into the thing but you were like you got to tell me about this equipment and i'm like <laughs> i i couldn't imagine a conversation i'd enjoy having more uh, than a fellow doctor who makes youtube videos and me going okay so here's how we light this scene or this is what i found about this mic dude like, lighting is like the worst thing for me like that I, I, man I, dude it's like the the vein of here's the life. thing though you i'm looking at your lighting yeah, it's a bit overlit in the front. Yeah, but, some of them are definitely overlit. Over but, but but some of them are perfect, and in general, you look fine. With me, lighting is so important because I get these dark circles under my eyes from a combination <laughs> of genetics, being Persian, and lack of sleep. Uh, and so, if you don't like me right, people keep they're distracted in the comments. Mm. They're like, "You look like you've been poisoned by toxins." Like, <laughs> and so. <laughs> See, the way I see human visage is we're an icon on a graphical user interface. Reality uh-huh. is just a series of icons. The real, the real thing is we're all just conscious agents. I won't get into that. Yeah, but I, remember, I remember that talk. You remember that talk and you're probably like, next. And, um, but, but the truth is those icons matter mm-hmm. if you're trying to influence and educate and entertain people. Mm-hmm. So that's why it does lighting matters. Yeah. That's why audio matters. Because if it sounds shitty, people don't want to. And this yeah. is the thing. Like, I see a lot of people send me videos. Oh, I did a parody, man. What do you think? Yeah. I'm like, I think it sounds like shit. <laughs> I think the lyrics are dumb. I think you look terrible in the video, which means you didn't light it right because you're mm-hmm. a good-looking person. So here's my feedback. Mm-hmm. Fix all those three things. They're not that hard to do. Yeah. It just takes a little bit of training. But who's doing the training? You know, you can watch YouTube tutorials. You can do things like that. But sometimes it's good just to talk to somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah. And um, so it was really cool to have you come and, and have us talk about that. That relates to this haters. So yeah. do you get haterade on YouTube? Like, do you get comments where it's like you're a dumbass or you know whatever it is? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I I, I don't, um, with one exception, and and I'll get to the exception in a second. So for the most part, like. I can if you, if I made anti-vax videos, yeah. uh, videos about anti not anti-vax, but videos about anti-vaxxers. Yeah, please don't make anti-vax videos. <laughs> I think the no, conversation would be over pretty fast. Yeah, um, yeah, I definitely would get tons of hate about that. Yeah, um, but uh, you know, ECG interpretation, you know, um, hyponatremia—they're not controversial, emotionally heated types of topics, aren't they? They they really aren't. Okay, because I um, get real. Emo- I've done talks on hyponatremia, and I get <laughs> I get angry about the way sometimes it's it's misunderstood. And, well, you can yeah. get, but like no yeah. one's no like I don't get like, like people don't like respond to my you know my video about shock being like you're such a freaking moron strong like you <laughs> like you should go back to high school like 
no, like people people will be respectful. They'll point out things that like, hey, I think you misinterpreted that. Sure. Um, or like, oh, I haven't found that test to be as important as you're implying it. Like, and I, 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 I want your fans. I, I want your fans. Well, I absolutely want yeah. that kind of feedback. I want to yeah. know, like, I want people to share that kind of feedback if they disagree with me. Like, absolutely. Like, like that's not hating me. Like, that's that's helping me mm. get better, be a better physician, and be a better communicator, and be a better educator. Like, I want to know that kind of feedback. Mm. Um, but the, the comments like, "You're a dumbass." Um, like, I don't get those. With the one exception, and the one exception is, I made this video about two years ago, and it was on. Uh, the diversity of uh, sex, gender, and sexual orientation. Oh, that's not controversial. No, not controversial yeah. at all. Yeah. And it wasn't meant to be like, it wasn't like an apoxy video. That wasn't, not to say there's anything wrong with that. It just wasn't the intent. Yeah. The intent was more like, let me introduce the terminology because a lot of students don't understand. They just don't understand. Like, like someone says that they're transgender. Yeah. Like they're, 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 someone, someone describes themselves as a transgender man or a transgender female or a transgender woman. Um, they might not know what that means. Right. You know, someone describes themselves as um, as queer. Like, what does queer mean? Right. Like, not those words are not universally understood by a lot of our students um, and a lot of students around the world. And so, my my intent was just to talk about the terminology, talk about sort of the diversity of what people's experiences and and emotions and sort of how they identify is. And it was sort of more like it was, it was relatively academic discussion. Um, but there was like a, a ton of like hate comments on that. Like, oh my gosh, like there's only two genders. Like, what are you doing teaching this garbage? I had, I had like response video oh my that was, gosh, that was posted where they awesome. went through like point by point. Oh it was, my gosh. It was a little bit creepy actually. Um, but you that know, was, that was the only hate video. You know what? I, That's your hate. first uh, brush in the Venn diagram with me. Really, because you, you know you're this diligent educator who does it by the book and mm -hmm. don't get doesn't get hate, gets constructive criticism. That's where you cross into my Venn, where it's like let's talk about something that really does poke the moral palate of yeah. a certain segment of the population. That yeah, I then, can't imagine what what topics that you could have covered that would do that. <laughs> Let me see. We've done abortion, vaccines, guns. Uh, the only thing we pain, have pain, pain addiction. Oh, pain, oh, oh yeah, chronic pain, chronic pain. Right. Pain. Oh my yep. gosh, I've had death threats from mm. people with uh, chronic pain just just by saying that. Like, listen, opioids are not the answer for most chronic pain. Well, yeah. wait, is that a controversial thing? Well, it is to people who are addicted. Mm dependent on opioids for something that started out as pain, but now it's maybe opioid hyperalgesia or something like that. So, but 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 how do we handle that hate is very important and yeah. it reflects on us. And I think there were times when I've handled it very poorly and mm -hmm. I get into the malaise and it's fun for me sometimes. And then there's times when I realize, no, this is leading to more burnout for me because yeah. we are negativity focused creatures. We will pick out the bad and ignore, discount the good. It's a common uh, way that our brain works and it, mm -hmm. it's designed to keep us alive. Like, look, if there's a poisonous berry, let's focus on that. Mm -hmm. um, but whereas we don't really focus on the positive social connections we have or the wonderful uh, relationships in, in our neighborhood we have, we focus on, oh, there's this one guy, man, and he just has his El Camino up on blocks in the driveway and he's just, he's bringing down the property values, you know? It's, that's how we are. <laughs> yeah. So so social media can be dangerous that way. And that, that leads me into this question about burnout. Mm -hmm. Are you getting paid for any of this stuff? Uh, so I don't get I don't get a salary from it. I, you know, I, so about half my videos are monetized, yeah. which I, I, you know, I'm, obviously you know about that. But yeah. for people that, that are watching this or listening who don't know, um, essentially that means that I've given YouTube the uh, permission to put ads either at the very beginning of like banner ads at the beginning or um, like an actual, you know, live action commercial that you mm. can usually, you're like, all right, five seconds, we're, when the five seconds up so I can skip this. Um, sometimes so, those commercials are compelling though. Sometimes they are. Sometimes yeah. I'm like, ooh, that movie's coming out. Yeah. Or ooh, I could enlarge my penis. 
Um, well, maybe. Yeah, the irony. So that, I meant to just think that. The irony is that the, the algorithm that decides what videos to show in front of your 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 um your your video, yeah. what what average, it's so off. Like I have a yeah. I have a video that talks about um, quackery around um, uh, fungal disease, <laughs> right? About like things like chronic uh, candidiasis, right, or right, right, right. Um, and if if most of the time, if you watch that video, if you click on it, the ad that will come beforehand talks about like treatment for like these quack diseases that yeah, don't really exist, yeah, yeah. which is just I, I find kind of it's amusing. funny. I get a lot of weird like alternative medicine stuff when I'm talking about science. Yeah, like those will be the ads that come yeah. up. It's, it's strange. So you monetize partially through the YouTube ads. Yep, and then so so about half the videos are monetized, and so then then since YouTube's owned by Google, then Google sends me a check or or you know, once a month, and I'm yep. sure you get something very similar. Same thing. Um, and you know, that's, it's not it's not pocket change. It's like a nice amount of money. Yeah. But I'm not I'm not, I'm not retiring. I'm not like giving yeah. up my, my doctor's Pe- job anytime people soon. People don't realize it's not that much money. No, no. I mean, comp- compared to how compared much work to a, is, a physician's work hour, like our opportunity cost. Yeah. It doesn't pay for it. No, no, not I mean, even. You're 15 hours of time, and you're full time. Uh, full time, yeah. Full time. Well, uh, it's depends on how on how you yeah yeah because yeah, some but, of it's academic time yeah exactly yeah, 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 like exactly. It, it's it's functionally full time exactly yeah yeah because I remember when I was doing it when I was full time hospitalist and I was working 120 hour weeks and mm. including the videos and yeah. all that and it was exhausting and that brings me to the burnout question so you know you you, you have the you're not really getting paid Eric like you're not getting compensated for your time not no I mean not so remotely not even remotely. To, to what it the opportunity costs as you put exactly it. Yeah. you do it because you love it you mm-hmm. told us why you do it. I'm with you on why you do it. So do you feel like with now all the changes in the algorithms and how much we have to push and have you been affected by that or are you just tuning that out? Like if you do a video that gets, um, let's see, like uh, 3,000 views Mm. versus something that gets 13,000 views, do you feel that in a negative way? How do you respond to this? And I'm asking for a friend. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I, you know, so a reason that my my circumstance may not be directly translatable to yours um, is that not every topic is going to be equally compelling. And yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure that's true. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm sure that's true for what you it's do. It's true too. on mine too. But see, in my mind, they're all equally <laughs> compelling, and that's the problem. But in my mind, I, I know they're not right. Yeah. So if I do a video on like how to interpret an elevated anion gap acidosis, <laughs> like I know that's not going to be as compelling as um, how do you interpret a chest X-ray, right? And so if the if the elevated anion gap acidosis gets fewer views, which I totally expect it's going to, like I don't like I expect that. It doesn't hurt my feelings. I don't get bummed out about that. Right. Um, if I make a video that I think is really awesome, and that does poorly, relative to like that that hurts a little bit. And yeah. you try to understand either from the comments or from the analytics like why that video was off a little bit. Mm. Um, and you, you sometimes you can parse it out, and sometimes you can't. I find the self-insight on those failures is very hard. It's really hard, yeah. yeah. You know, like I'll put so much effort into a music video, say, mm-hmm. and then it will just not do well at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I thought that was a good video. That really hurts, <laughs> you know? And then there's some videos where I'm like, I know this isn't a great video and mm-hmm. it's only gonna do okay. And then it goes viral and you're like, you know, like I did Ativan, 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 Ativan. It's this parody of this horrible mumble rapper guy uh trap music and uh-huh. i was like this sucks this is terrible six million views on facebook i'm like god and then i put so much blood sweat and tears into one seek which was our bare naked lady parody that was really good i like that one actually. i'm glad you did yeah. because most of the public was like huh and they were scared <laughs> to share it because is it racist yeah. and 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 so it's kind of like meh and i'm like oh this was my this was my labor of love, but you know yeah. what? You have to. It, it does. It's an. It's a part. It's an ego thing. Yeah. You're like, this is what I love. Why doesn't everyone else love it? It yeah. feels a little. 
Yeah, no, it, it hurts a little bit. I mean, yeah. I, I had this one this one uh, existential crisis on YouTube that happened in February, actually, just this past February, where looking at my analytics, and I, don't, I mean, I don't like, I, I'm not like a, uh, I don't go to analytics every day. Like, it's not something that drives how I approach YouTube. But, you know, every once in a while, like once every week or two, I look at it to kind of get a sense about which videos are doing well and what are some things I might need to tweak. And uh, back in February, there was this, this trend where I get you know X number of, of subscribers, new subscribers every day. Mm. Um, and then it literally overnight went from X to like X divided by yeah. two. And it was like a very, very clear like step down trend. And it wasn't just like one off day. Like it was, and it's continued now. Like if you look at my number of subscribers per day, it's after the stepwise trend down, it's diff- It's completely different than it was in previous years. And there was no, no explanation given. Like there, I couldn't I look through the analytics. It didn't make any sense to me like why that happened. I re- reached out to YouTube because as you may have a, like a YouTube creator, I forget the name, a yeah. manager or whatnot yeah. um, that YouTube provides. And they had no, they couldn't, they, they had no idea. Out, yeah. They had no idea. They said it was maybe some algorithm thing and like maybe some algorithm, like, they don't even and, understand their own algorithm. No, they, they, yeah. they, they don't. They they don't. don't. Um, and not to be critical of any individual person. No, no, no. It's just how it it's is. Just, it's just complicated and maybe not even fully disclosed to them. But uh, but seeing that, like that hurts a little bit. And you have to you know, say for yourself, like, wow, like just overnight, just like that, like my my reach has is, is been cut like that. And you, but you have to kind of, after, after a while, you have to say, all right, what? It doesn't matter. Like, like I'm not doing it for reviews. I'm not doing it for subscribers. I'm doing it for you know to make to to, to get stuff out there. And, and if it's not reaching quite as many people, it doesn't negate the people that I am reaching. You yeah. know, if, if that video isn't as successful, well, like if only three thousand people watch that video instead of thirteen thousand people, like that those three thousand people, they're still getting something out of that. Like it's still getting the you know the likes, you know, still getting the comments, still getting the the engagement. Um, and so it's okay if it doesn't perform as well. You know, oh man. But, Again, you, but there, a, you have to get over. You have to, there, there is that initial like feeling really bummed and feel so, like you've you've somehow failed to to live up to your own expectation. Ah, that's like, there's there's definitely that element that you mm. have to get past, and it takes time to do that. That's really what it is, man. Because I've been struggling with this myself because see, and this again, I can't have this conversation with a lot of people. <laughs> that's why I'm really happy you're here. This is therapy for me. The last few episodes have all been therapy for me. Um, so struggling with creator burnout, mm-hmm. and this is a dumb term, but it's basically- No, but it's, re- it's real. It's a real thing. Yeah. So you know, I've been doing this since 2010, you've been doing this since 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, we put our blood, sweat, and tears into it. It is now part of our identity uh, in terms of like, this is a piece of who I am, I am this. And I told my kids the other day in, my, in the pits of despair, I was like, I'm done being Z-Dog, I'm done. Like, this is it, I'm done. I'm driving them <laughs> to school, they're like, daddy, are you okay? I'm like, I'm done. And they, and they were like, what do you mean? This is who you are. Mm-hmm. My kids say this to me, <laughs> and I'm like, Jesus, like it's just so wrapped in my identity. That, 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 let me just say that's great because my kids think my YouTube videos suck. So <laughs> it's wonderful. Like that's you've already you've already succeeded. That's already a huge victory. My sons are always like, Dad, your videos are so boring. <laughs> like, well, because <laughs> your thumbnail. I'm looking at this. Okay, the diversity of sex, gender, and sexual orientation. That's the one uh-huh. that got you all the hate. Yeah. And your thumbnail. I wish I could blow it up. It's ba- you got to see this. <laughs> You gotta see this. So th- this is the thumbnail. It's very hard to tell, but it's basically Eric standing next to a word that says "sex," and he's just like, "Huh?" Like that thumbnail is not gonna get you egregious clicks for people who are interested in sex. Yeah. The thumbnail that would have worked would have been like some cleavage with you going, "Huh?" 
and it was like sex diversity yeah. and that would have got then the kids would have been like dad your videos are cool yeah and, see, and, then, and then and then my, the dean of stanford would and, be like, and then eric you the promotion to- is canceled <laughs> exactly so so again what you're doing is the perfect thing for that but so it's but so it's interesting so what you what you said about the reach dropping mm. so this happened to me this year too yeah uh and it happened suddenly about the same time both on, mostly on Facebook, because Facebook's okay. our major platform. Yeah. YouTube is kind of like, it's important to us, but it's it's never, it, it's more like the really smart, kind of thoughtful people tend to hang out on YouTube and it's 50-50 men, female. And on Facebook, huh. it's kind of like, hey man, I'm just like blowing off steam and I want to see Z-Dog do something crazy. And there's also <laughs> smart, thoughtful people. So it's a mix of stuff, right? But so, so I, I saw the reach drop off. Mm-hmm. Our number of followers started to drop off. Our number of subscribers started to drop off. A number of supporters started to level off. And these are the paying subscribers yeah. who, by the way, have saved my life. Like they are, meaning there's such a wonderful group of people that are willing to pay like four ninety nine a month on Facebook. I want to talk to you about this too on the on the show. Yeah, uh, I would love to hear about your business model. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> I want I want others myself. I want others to take it. I yeah. want others to feel like empowered to do this and feel like they're getting compensated, right? Yeah. Because it is. It's a huge amount of work. And so so these guys are a wonderful tribe of you know like six sixty three hundred odd people, mm. and 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 they. They care about even just sitting and chatting. They they are super fans. They share, They love. They love one seek. You know, yeah. <laughs> like they, they. And so it's a wonderful, beautiful space where we can be open, and there's no anti-vaxxers and no trolls. And if you troll, you end up getting banned, and mm-hmm. I lose your money, and I don't care. And there's a discussion group, and that's been great. But watching the sort of numbers decline and then asking Facebook, asking YouTube and having them say, we have no idea. Yeah. The we, algorithm we, is the really? algorithm. Maybe Zuckerberg's promoting groups now instead, which yeah. he is, he's not in the newsfeed anymore. It hurts, because again, this is your identity. Now, in a, in a perfect world, Eric, it shouldn't hurt. We yeah. should exactly focus on the things that you said. And so the other days when I did those videos and I'm like, I'm just, I'm, I'm really feeling burned out. I got all these messages from people that made me feel like, oh my gosh, like we're connecting with people in a way that I I never even understood because you can't, you don't feel it when you're making a video, you're standing there, you're, you know, you're reading a script, I'm like expositing, and then you just put it out in the ethernet. You don't feel that even an individual is having this experience that you've set them up to this connection. And when they tell you, then it becomes real. It yeah. becomes a one-on-one empathic event. and. And that has gotten me woken up again. I'm like, it's like you said, even if it's like a hundred people who watch and are super mm-hmm. engaged, man, what a beautiful gift to be able to do that yeah. as a creator. So that that's a way to kind of ameliorate the burnout is finding the purpose in it. Instead of focusing on numbers, YouTube changes its thing now. You can't look at the specific number of subscribers you have, it rounds it to some number <laughs> because that's their way of dealing with creator burnout. Yeah, yeah. It's a real problem because yeah. people are just looking at the analytics wait, why did I lose five subscribers just now? What did I do? Yeah. It's me. They it's don't like, love me. They're, they're trying to, they're, people, it's, it's, there's too much, there's too much um, uh, temptation to try to micro dissect every single little tiny little insignificant trend in your analytics. It's true. And you really, you have to step back and be like, 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 like the, way, the way I deal with that is like, I'm not gonna look every day. Like That's... I'll look once every week or two, glance at it. What if, a... if everything, if, if nothing seems catastrophically off, then I'd, 
put aside. What a disciplined approach, man, I, which I would expect no less from you because you strike me. Uh, it's as really a, just, uh, it's a lack of, lack of time. Yeah, see, that's good. <laughs> that's good. The problem is, see, part of my problem is since I've pulled back from full-time clinical practice, mm -hmm. I have the time to spin my wheel. <laughs> You know, and I, it's funny, I don't have time for Well, you, you have to have one of your assistants, you know, spin the wheels for you. I could. And, and, but and then, like, type a little summary, summary like, report with, like, candy-coated a Vic little bit. Victoria in the back could just basically look at analytics, and she does, and she gives me these reports and stuff, and I'm like, okay, I don't want to hear this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, it's, it's too much. And the truth is, like, you know, I get up at, like, 4 a.m., I go to bed at, like, you know, whatever, 9, 10, I go to bed relatively early, but that whole time... I'm thinking about what I do. I'm yeah. working on stuff. I'm answering emails. I'm answering fan emails. I'm looking at Twitter. I'm looking at Instagram. I'm thinking about what the next content is. I'm worrying, wondering about what talk I'm doing tomorrow. I'm thinking about a sponsored show, I'm thinking about my subscribers. I'm doing all of this. And it's too much, dude, because you never are off. Mm. I go on vacation and I'm thinking about yeah. it. You know? Now, so I think what you're doing, I think it's very hard, but what I like is you've managed to, sort of integrated into your clinical activities you and and so the only trick is like i really think you should get paid for doing this because you're providing a service uh -huh. and so one i mean i mean who's gonna pay it's gonna pay me super. it used to be that was the question i asked <laughs> who's gonna pay yeah and the thing is what i have started to realize is and this youtube is doing this facebook is doing mm -hmm. this so there are membership models now where people can sign up to uh be um be subscribers of yours. And mm. that means many things. It could mean they get exclusive content. Mm. It could mean they get CE credits for mm. watching your stuff. And your stuff is perfect mm. for continuing education credit. Yeah. So I'll talk to you later about how you might wanna do that because then you could actually monetize it. And what that means is then you buy more equipment and you make the production a little better mm. and maybe you get an assistant. Because mm. I think, Eric, you work too hard. <laughs> like I really do. <laughs> You and my wife agree on something. <laughs> so one of the greatest things that happened is I had a, I suddenly had a team. I went from mm. doing what you did, which was up until 2015, mm. every video I made was basically me. Yeah. Uh, and then and, and editing and sitting there in hours, 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 30 hours of video, whatever it is for music videos, much more than that actually. Yeah. Like 100 hours of video. And, uh, and now Tom, Logan, Victoria, they, uh, they help me do the stuff that I'm actually not that good at mm -hmm. and they do it better and then I'm free to do the content, but I'm also free to spin my wheels looking at analytics and yeah. stuff that's not productive. Well, you know what, something, you know, I remember, you know, cause I followed you for a long time um, online and I remember it was, it was the uh, ain't to, um, ain't no, ain't no way to ain't die. Ain't no way to die, yeah. Like, like, I don't know what, like, I can't, I have no idea which videos came immediately before that, but something like that video, like seeing that, I was like, whoa, like, when did Zubin like hire like this incredible production team to put that thing out? Cause like, I was like, that was like legit, like well produced, like looked like it came from an actual studio. So you know the thing. story, the story with that, um, I'd been wanting to make that video for a long time mm -hmm. because I wanted to talk about end of life, which by yeah. the way, you did a beautiful job talking about your father, talking about end of life. You've done some videos where you've really transcended into the philosophical and what, Again, my fatherly <laughs> advice, Eric, I'm like a couple years older than you. I've been doing it for one year longer. My fatherly advice is, I think if you do some unscripted stuff where you just speak mm -hmm. from your from your gut about things that you care about philosophically in yeah. medicine, like people really want that. They really do because they want to hear from someone who's experienced, mm -hmm. who's done this, who clearly is caring, is clearly smart. But um, Ain't the Way to Die was one where I was like, this is a mission for me. I want this to have an impact. Yeah. So I, was, I recorded the song with a friend 
friend Devin Moore, who ultimately ended up doing a lot of our production. I met him in Vegas. He runs a he's a band and all that, and um, and 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 he could actually make my voice sound good. Like he was like, <laughs> you need to get vocal lessons. He's like, you need to actually record in a in at least a makeshift studio. You yeah. need to do these things, and I'll mix it for you. And he made it, and then he sang the choruses on that. Mm. Just gonna stand there and watch me burn. He did that, and he made it sound so beautiful. And then I did the rap, and I was like, this video, this song needs a proper production. And it turns mm. out this group was doing a documentary at the time on the sort of Mavericks, uh, and they were like, Z Dog has a clinic, and. <laughs> in Vegas, let's do him. And I said, oh, I have this song that I'm making a video for. Maybe you can come watch me try to figure out how to do the video with my candy cam or whatever. And they're like, we'll do you one better. We'll make the video. What? We will shoot the video. No, you're not gonna tell me they didn't charge you for that. So they charged me a little bit, not much, because okay. the the documentary was covering the rest of it. Yeah, wow. And so we went out and I've never worked with a team and that opened my eyes for the first time, mm -hmm. that production. Remember I was saying we're all icons? Yeah. Well, the icons matter when people are looking at something like YouTube that is, it's you looking at icons. Mm -hmm. So how it looks matters, the production matters. Yeah. So if we could give medicine the level of polish and production that Hollywood has, oh man, we could actually give us on the front lines a kind of a, a feeling of elevation. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, we're worthy of this. And now let's have this conversation about end of life. So, so th that was the first time. And then Tom and Logan came on board and then I was open to the idea of outsourcing this because the creative control is a tough one, right? Like it's yeah. hard to let go of. Absolutely. Like if I show up and I'm like, Eric, I'll do your video for you. You'll be like, you, you screwed this up, man. <laughs> Even if it's better, it doesn't matter because my team was doing better videos than me. But I was like, nah, this sucks, this is garbage. Because it doesn't feel like it's yours. It, it doesn't, doesn't feel like it's yeah. yours. Yeah, so it has to be integrated with who you are. You have to have some hand in the editing. And I always do. I micromanage everything. But at the same time, how Logan lights a scene, I can't think about how to, I can't even come close mm -hmm. to his eye and how he does that. Or Tom's thinking of like, no, this is what's gonna have the emotional impact. He can see it, I can't see it. Yeah. So it, it's really, that team is very important. Where, where, how did you recruit them? So recruited them, uh, I, 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 they came to me, cold emailed me, which really? by the way, I hate it when people cold email me, right? Because I get <laughs> I get thousands of emails. And, oh. and it was weird because they, uh, they emailed my assistant at the time, Melat, who was at Turntable Health and was like, hey, we're a Vegas-based production studio. We saw Turntable Health got like, you know, top 10 startups in Vegas. We were like, a top 10 startup in Vegas too in the same article. Mm -hmm. And Logan just reached out as a biz dev thing. He's like, maybe they would need videos done. Uh -huh. And I, I told Mel, I was like, mm -mm. I'm not working with a film production team. Like yeah. they're all just annoying. They cost a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I don't have the, how do I monetize this? It was the same thing. Yeah, I don't monetize it's, this. It's gonna cost too much money. It's gonna cost too much money. Yeah. And so, I met with Tom just to be nice to Mel because she's like, there's something about these guys because she had the intuition, right? Mm -hmm. You got to trust your team sometimes. And, um, and then I sat with him and we had like a three hour discussion about the nature of consciousness and you know the kind of things I'm interested in. <laughs> and he was too. And I'm like, all right, let's just do this readmission video because it's dumb and no one's going to like it. And it ended up being our most popular video of all time. And I think it's partially because those guys made an amazing music video out of a dorky concept of like CHF readmissions, you know? So... My, my, again, my fatherly advice is you have this amazing platform. There are ways to monetize it. So mm -hmm. I mean, there, you can do talks, you can have subscriptions, you have ads. Um, there are other things you can do, but I think 
really between that, then you could maybe get an assistant or someone to help you with the stuff. And then you could really grow it because I think what you're doing is so important and it's very hard to scale an individual. No, it is. I mean, if I, if I could, um, if I had the bandwidth to do two or three times as many videos or have an actual, just a regular publishing schedule, like I would totally jump on that. I just, no bandwidth. So I'm going to tell you something that you're not going to like to hear and you're not going to believe, but you could actually make a living to where you could actually cut back your clinical stuff. If you did, if you really focused on this, I really think so. And, and again, I say that partially to encourage others that Mm. this is a thing we need in the world. It's super important. Mm. We have the Dr. Mike's who are great. We have the Z dog MDs who God knows what they are, but we need more of the Eric Strong's that are out there teaching, you know, in a, in a, in a way that actually helps people to learn uh, with the credibility of having, the education and the training and the academic credentials that you have, it's, that's very important. Um, again, it's not necessary, but it's definitely a nice, a nice thing. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. So any other thoughts before I'll uh, give you an off camera tour of what we do and <laughs> show you the equipment? Uh, no, I think so. Man. Uh, any other questions you had? No, this is just therapy for me. I really wanted to, to shine a light on what you're doing and, and ask you the questions. And I, I'm fascinated by your process because it's so different than mine. Yeah. And I think others should really be inspired to try this out. Well, what I think is great though, is that like YouTube has a space for having two physicians who make videos have completely different processes, different sort of techniques, different setups, different uh, goals in mind. And there's like, I mean, if, if someone's out there, if there's other physicians here that have been like tempted to like do put something out there on YouTube or Twitter or Facebook, whatever, like there's, you don't have to follow our model, yeah. right? Like you have, you have an idea that's totally different. Like d- dude, try it out, it, run with it. If it doesn't work, it's, it's okay. Like it's not the end of the world. I'm a thousand percent with you. Just don't make those annoying thumbnails. <laughs> uh, <laughs> who's your favorite medical YouTuber? Oh, wow. Um, there are a lot of great ones out there. There's really great ones. Yeah. Um, I, I hate to give a shout out just to one because I don't want like other yeah. bodies of mine yeah, yeah. Um, to feel like they've been shortchanged. Yeah, I don't feel like you have to. But but, but I will. Okay, good. Um, so uh, Medlife Crisis, I don't know ah, if you know the guy. I was going to say the Rohan same Fra- thing. Rohan Francis, he's a cardiologist in the UK. He um, He's coming up out of nowhere. He doesn't like last like 18 months or so putting out like really like videos that are they're, like the perfect blend of of information, humor, and the ability to target, like if you ask him who his target audience is, like I would, I would guess he would tell you everybody. Yeah. Like you could be like the most esteemed senior physician, or you could be like someone that doesn't know squat about medicine. You could watch one of his videos and feel like that was a satisfying use of your time. Rohin Medlife Crisis, and and I got it turned on to him because he called me out in an episode about like social media doctors, <laughs> and he said some really nice things that were very yeah. frank. He was like, you know, and he's on Facebook, which. I didn't even know that was still a thing. Yeah. And I'm like, neither did I. Uh, I started watching his stuff and I was like, I felt that you feel exactly like you do. It's yeah. like game recognized game. Like this guy came out of nowhere. Yeah. He's diligent, you can tell, because he he puts his videos together with a lot of thought. He's not just freeballing it, right? Yeah. Like I am. He's like going in and he's, he's putting a lot of thought into it. And um, I'm really happy that you agree. It's funny that we didn't talk about this at all, but yeah. we both cite the same guy. Uh, I hope he does really well. I hope he grows. And Yeah, no, it seems like he's really taken off. So. Yeah, yeah. And you know what's weird is there's a, there's a competitive aspect to what we do, but there's also like this joy when you see somebody doing it right and you're like, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, that's really cool. What can I steal from that guy that, that I can bring to my audience, you know? Because yeah. again, like you said, YouTube has space for all of it. 
Yeah. All of it. Yeah, it's funny because you play with the competitive aspect. You know, one thing, some people will, will say, like, oh, who do you recommend? Like, who do you really like on YouTube? And I have to be careful because I can't recommend someone that is like too close to my niche. Yeah. Right? Like, this guy makes videos that are like really similar to mine. He's awesome. I'm going to recommend this. Like, I can't do <laughs> I, it. I can't. Like, it's the same. We're, we're occupying the same niche. It's, I can't it's, do that. It's, that's really but interesting. I, I still really like their videos. I still do a great job. I used to, you know, I used to feel like uh, maybe when I first ex found Dr. Mike, I'm like, who <laughs> is this mother flipper? <laughs> I'm gonna destroy him. I went on. I went on. Um, I looked at his videos, and I'm like, okay, we're gonna do a real doctor watches a dumb doctor talking about stupid stuff. Yeah, that was the plan. And then I watched his videos, and it's like, this kid's okay. Yeah, no, I feel yeah. the same way about him. So I was yeah. like, oh, Insta Doctor, like Insta yeah. Doctor that has his billboards up. Exactly, like, like He's that's ridiculous. Gonna suck. He's gonna yeah. be like Doctor Oz, but like but without worse. any experience, exactly like, without the cardiothoracic surgery professorship. Yeah. Right, exactly. And, and then you watch his stuff, you're like, oh, like. I can't disagree with anything he's saying. Like, this, this, I can't disagree. Yeah. And then I met him and I'm like, good, sincere. Yeah, he seems like a, a legit dude. Literally a kid. Yeah. Good, sincere kid. <laughs> like, really wonderful person. And yeah. so, but I wanted to hate him. And again, it's because this is a little bit where this, we're so kind of competitive as a species, huh. the physicians in general. But uh, again, to be in a space with other creators, there's a joy, right? Because you're just like, well, so how do you do this? Well, you know, that one video you did, how did you pull that off without pissing off? You know, it's really fascinating. Yeah. Again, so this has turned into a kind of an inside the actor studio. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is all this is how the YouTube creator healthcare professionals do things. And the nurse side is really interesting mm. too. So there's like Nurse Blake, mm -hmm. who's kind of blown up and is just really witty, funny uh, nurse who uh, just makes people laugh with like, oh, it's funny because it's true kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And you know how he he monetizes it? He does like cruises and stuff where like a bunch oh, really? of nurses come on cruises. Oh, I have yeah. no idea. See, I would, I would stab my eyes out <laughs> if I had to do like a Z-Dog cruise. Like, could you imagine? The love boat. Hey, Z-Dog MD. I, I would die. But again, you know. You know, you, you know her, her, her wheels right now on her head are turning like, cruise. Z-Dog cruise. Maybe we should run with that. Yeah, Victoria's... So, Victoria's so, thinking about it. Yeah, she's already like, let me run the numbers on this and see if we can get a Norwegian cruise lines <laughs> yeah. filled with supporters. Um, you know what we are thinking about doing, though, that's interesting, uh, is a Netflix concert special. So, the, yeah, I know, it sounds crazy. The, the, the show that I do, the one hour, one and a half hour show that I've been doing for several years and evolving that mm -hmm. now I, you know, I did at Stanford, mm -hmm. and, and it's, I think it's ready to like, you put it on a stage with a bunch of audience and shoot it and get it out to the world and go, this is what medicine can be. Yeah. This is what it has been. This is why we're hurting. Yeah. This is what it can be. Now it's on you and have music and have the thing and just put it out and see if Netflix wants it. And then I'm done with that talk forever yeah. and it's out in the world. And so that's another thing I've been like mulling about. Yeah. But yeah. Do, do, I mean, do, you have, do you have contact people or? Not yet. Okay. I'm gonna try to search for some. Do you know, um, you know Monica Bergava? I do. You know, she 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 was it was she was not her video, but um, Netflix oh, Extremis. Extremis, yeah, she, yes. she was featured in Extremis. Wait a minute, so why it, am I such an idiot? I interviewed the the producer of Extremis on my show, <laughs> Shoshana Ungerleiter. I'm like, do you know anybody? No, I don't know anybody. Wait, what? <laughs> I'll reach out to Shoshana. She has all the contacts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. That'd be great. No, yeah, I, I I completely forgot. See again, like I don't get to talk to people about what I do because nobody does what I do, but you do. So this is a joy for me. Um, Eric Strong, thanks a million, dude. Yeah, so, no, it's, it's great. It's really fun. Let me just shout out to people. Okay, it's Strong Medicine on YouTube. Your uh, Twitter handle is at Dr. Eric Strong, E-R-I-C, 
S-T-R-O-N-G, right? Yep. And Tw- my, my, my Twitter feed is a, a little bit more controversial than my YouTube channel is. Yes, <laughs> I know, I know. FYI. I know. Oh, you know what? I wanted to thank you because you privately supported me on something that was a controversy on Twitter. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. And I was like, this guy gets it. Yeah, you understand. Because the mob on Twitter can be... It, it can be rough. It can be rough. Much rougher than YouTube. Much rougher than YouTube. And the thing is, when the mob is your own people, yeah. so in other words, they're like maybe the center left or the left left. Mm. The left left are not my people. The center left <laughs> are my people. The left left has gone insane. And again, I won't get into, into that, but they've become basically word Nazis. They, mm. You cannot speak. Free speech is not a thing anymore. Yeah. So, and to me, free speech is, is the one sacred thing. Like you don't mess with that. So... Yeah. Um, even anti-vaxxers, they should be free to be idiots. That's fine, you can do that, but you're not free to be av- avoid the consequences of it. So, so, but yeah, so thank you for supporting me on that. But what was the point? Oh yeah, so your Twitter feed is a little more controversial. Yeah. And then do you do Instagram and all that? Uh, no Instagram, Got no it. Facebook. Got it, okay. Don't, don't trust Facebook. You know what, I don't either, and it's my major platform. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to like diss any of his supporters. <laughs> No, actually, I have a lot. A lot of my fans on YouTube don't do Facebook, and mm-hmm. so it's good to be on both. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not against you know, against people on the platform. I just I, I I don't trust the platform itself. Yeah, you know what? Can't put all your eggs in any platform. That's yeah. another piece of wisdom, because at any point, you the know, platform you can, goes and, the platform goes, yeah. or you're canceled. You say something where. YouTube oh, yeah. decides your hate speech yeah. because you know you did a thing about the diversity of sex, gender, and sexual orientation academically, and somehow they tag that as hate speech. And, and that that's happened. YouTubers that talk about um, sexual identity, YouTubers that talk about history. Yeah, um, you know, they, they, they channels are getting flagged for statements that are not controversial. Yeah, but YouTube flags them anyway. They get demonetized. They don't they don't they don't get kicked off the platform. But they get demonetized. Yeah. Which for people that's a prof- I mean, if you're a professional YouTuber, like you're kicked off. You're that's kicked basically off. Being yeah, kicked exactly. Off. This is their life. Yeah. That's why you need diversity of income too. <laughs> that's the other piece of wisdom. Yeah. yeah. Or, Dude, or being married to a physician. That as both of, us are. both of us are. Is your wife Asian? Um, she is. So is mine. Mm-hmm. So we both did, we diversified race, we diversified specialty, <laughs> we diversified, uh, I mean, it's perfect. The only thing is that all our eggs are in the medical basket. Yeah, that's true. We didn't do that right, Yeah, but it's okay. We should have married. If the American it, healthcare system totally collapses. We're the, the, doomed. The, yeah. We're, yeah. We're but you know what? There's always other stuff. Then we, then we make the videos that are like, <gasps> sex, and make the thumbnail, and that's how we still get paid. Oh, man. Eric Strong, dude, I could talk to you all day, uh, and we're going to after the show. Yeah, I'm going to totally get Victoria. Fine. Victoria's got to go pick up my kids. <laughs> So we got to end, but it's been a joy. You guys check out Eric's stuff, subscribe to his channel, subscribe to my channel, do whatever you want. I'm no longer gamifying this. I'm no longer obsessed with analytics. I'm just obsessed with connection and I'm really glad we got to connect today. Well, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. And we out Z-Pack, peace. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. (laughs) And so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It it just really helps the algorithms to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I wanna hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is, financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters. 
and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st- really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.